Can I use your loo real quick? You can. Yeah. Have, okay. a, have a go. There might be some wood lice on the floor. Oh, nice. They, they tend to crop up from okay. time to time. Don't be scared. Alright, Need to get the hoover out. Hello and welcome to Game Changing with me, Tim Thornton. And me, Chris Sheldon. In this podcast, we chat to various luminaries from the music world who we've met along the way. About those key moments in their careers where the stars aligned and it all started to go right. In 2004, a new English rock band came flying out of the traps and would, for the next 16 years and counting, leave an indelible imprint on the indie scene. I'm delighted to say that this episode comprises a conversation between myself and Paul Smith and Duncan Lloyd of Newcastle-upon-Tyne's formidable Maximo Park. I hope you enjoy it, and in the urgent spirit of the band themselves, let's get straight to it. signed our, our record contract with Warp eventually mm. on the Millennium Bridge in Newcastle. Oh really? Uh, nice. Somebody, a friend of ours brought a um, wallpaper pasting table and set it up in the middle of the Millennium Bridge <laughs> on the pedestrian side. There's a pedestrian side and a bike side for this pedestrian, essentially pedestrian bridge. Yeah, yeah. No cars can get across it and yeah we just set it up and um, you know, some some sort of symbolic moment. But yeah, that was. Did you have loads of pictures taken of it. Yeah, there's, there's a few. They're awful. <laughs> really? Oh no. They're Did fairly bad. I mean, we did. This is the thing. We were, it's kind of emblematic of our approach. Really, we've always done yeah. done things uh, in a slightly off-center way. That's and, that, uh, isn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah. even down to being on warp. I suppose that was a sort of off-center thing. It to was. Do, wasn't yeah. It? Okay. I mean, when we met Steve, um, Steve Beckett, uh, yeah. had a warp. I think the way that we met him and the way that he was with us was we just felt really comfortable with him even though yeah. the label were like kind of like really like us you know but we also you know we love things like Apex Spring and yeah that. so and Broadcast and Broadcast will I guess more like felt more like like a band thing yeah. and he, yeah. and he uh, you know he was so enthusiastic and he just said that we would have to create freedom whereas I think we met a few others and they made <coughs> suggestions about oh you should put the chorus here and there and we're like nah <laughs> yeah uh, I mean they had more money but then we were right. like would we rather be with somebody who you know would give us that freedom yeah yeah sure. and we, yeah we just sat in the park with him with tins of lilt and coke you know rather really? than in an office somewhere nice. so we're that's like good, yeah he's, he's the kind of person we quite like you didn't feel like you ever needed to move to London I mean that's that's really that's you know, really it was, I think we were, um, it, you know, after we were signed as well, it felt like we had the connection. Yeah. And perhaps as well, maybe Steve being from Sheffield, it was just like, it's cool, you're up north, it's fine, yeah, yeah. you know. 
so at the very beginning you seem to kind of just charge in straight away you know you were I imagine you did a lot of touring for a certain trigger is that is that yeah. right yeah and I think even if you go right back when we were like rehearsing mm. in that little kind of space in uh, mine and Tom and Chopper's flat uh, Lucas was in the flat below and then Paul was around the corner as yeah. his artist so everyone would come in this little room we, we were saying we're not going to do any gigs until it, we're really tight oh really and okay. all the songs and we're not just going to go out hey we're a band we're going to go out and yeah. we want to be the best band in the city you know it's uh-huh. like we want to go out and when we go out it's going to be it's going to be undeniable you know and I think we'd all been in bands we'd all played in different groups so we had yeah. the experience of the good the bad and the ugly when it comes to shows you know so it was like right when we go out we're going to we're going to yeah. be that force yeah, there's a lot of bad bands you know local, local mm. bands people will, and, and it will always be this way people want to be in bands for different reasons yeah um, people want to be singers for different reasons and yeah you know I, I just couldn't face mm. being one of those bands that were, you would be indifferent to you know whether you like us or not yeah we were going to do our thing to the you know to its fullest potential yeah. at that at, at each stage you know what I mean we were never we weren't the finished article yeah. by any means but we were <laughs> probably a lot more of a finished article than a lot of bands who, who go out there and, and play a lot for yeah. Yeah. you know they just think they should be in a band you know we wanted every song to be amazing we wanted to be mm. good at what we did yeah and there was definitely that element of desperation because not to make it in a group but because of you know, none of us were really doing that well financially. You know, we were, yeah, we were doing. You know, we were sort of struggling, and you know, we were either we we had been on the dollar. We all had sort of part time jobs or mm. jobs that you know there were. You know, we're trying to cut down the hours so we could do the music, but yeah. then you're just just surviving so you can do the music, and then. But there was this feeling of not only that, but what was on the radio at the time was like this is not us. We mm. are. You know, it's all this nice kind of I guess slower acoustic pop ballad yeah, yeah. and we were just like that's not just, a, yeah, our which generation is fine, but it's just there was a preponderance of it yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't just feel so much of it yeah because you know. this is like early 2000s right yeah, so because yeah. that for me that was a really shit time for music I found I, before kind of I feel like before the Libertines and Block Party and you guys and, and all of that crowd all kind of came in maybe mm. 2003 2004 but before that it was sort of the post Britpop hangover yeah it's like late 90s and there was a lot of yeah. Coldplay and Travis I mean I'm sure they're charming people but Travis and Coldplay I just thought were just just so bewilderingly kind of you know it would just bring you down listening to this stuff because you just felt like God I just want a bit more you know energy mm-hmm. about about things um, it was, it's not even that it's, it's the fact that because they were so successful yeah you then get all the facsimiles and record yeah. companies trying and there were to lots get of facts you know and it's everybody's got an acoustic guitar yeah the front man's got an acoustic guitar and it's yeah very kind yeah. of bland and the same the same happened when when our first album came out and there were lots of other bands whose records got in the charts and we got played on radio one mm-hmm. you know which a lot of guitar yeah. so-called guitar music would not get played <clears throat> yeah. on radio one now um, and you ended up with loads of watered down versions of it and you know the the advent of landfill indie as, landfill it's, as it's become known and and know. it's it's a you know this is the problem yeah. it's it's a business and it's 
capitalism you right. know, and it is what it is yeah, you will yeah. always get people trying to replicate the formula and trying to find out what the formula is what right. is the formula right. um, what is happening here oh, there's people with guitars in, them, in suits or whatever and it, you know it, maybe, maybe a lot of those bands including ourselves were looking at the past to try and go forwards mm-hmm. you know the idea of post-punk music became a little bit overdone especially when people were writing about us when we were more influenced by sort of American, I guess, kind of R.E.M. and grungier stuff, Pavement, you know, those were sort of equally important to us as... Yeah, I mean, like going missing in graffiti are way more like uh, lo-fi, you know, they had more of a lo-fi thing that that we liked about Pavement and we liked about some Ethan things, whereas like, they're just a post-punk, but is that okay, apply some pressure... Now all those shop they have those choppy influences. We mm-hmm. listen to Wire, but we listen to Captain Beefheart for those choppy yeah. influences. Yeah. As much as you know, so it was like actually, yeah, the influences are way more. It's like oh, okay, you, you're you're like the Jam and you're like XTC <laughs> and you're like actually we're not we don't really. Yeah. Uh, Tom likes XTC and right. they were I like great. XTC. <laughs> we like them, but we they weren't like a blueprint for us. Yeah, you yeah. know, and yeah. and so a lot of that got skewed, and then you end up going, well, we've been labelled like that. But I think that happens to every group. So I've just done a lot of listening to the last uh, to all your albums over the last, and it's interesting because I mean, Earthly Pleasures, for example, I hadn't I hadn't heard for maybe I don't know thirteen years or something. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you? Are you the, like yeah. <laughs> do you do that thing of like never listening to a finished record again? Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Although this, you end up having to rehearse songs and stuff, and you want to slot things in, and yeah. then you end up listening to it intensively again. Right. Right. And that's that sort of. But yeah, certain album tracks I wouldn't yeah. have heard in years. So we've interviewed Gil Norton. Oh yeah. But you, so you had Gil on Earthly Pleasures and National Health. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I just found it interesting the producers that you've worked with because he's the only one that's done two, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Paul Epworth, first one. Mm-hmm. Did you think let's get someone different, or was Paul Epworth not available? Or we thought we'd get somebody different. Yeah. And I think. Um, we thought we might work, you know, we'll, we'll, we've never rule out working with somebody again. Mm, mm. But yeah, we were very much in the mindset of doing everything as, as differently as we could with each record mm. at that point. But yeah, okay. at that first record, it felt like, right, we've done, we've done that, mm. let's move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think with each one we kind of try and think, okay, let's, you know, go with someone new. And it's like, because, you know, Paulette was, was great and it was... Mm. It was just, you know, the first thing we'd done. So we learned a lot working with him. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a hedonistic <laughs> time in that album. Was. Okay, yeah. And then I guess with Gil, it, yeah, different thing. He, you sure. know, he was, he was obviously an older producer, and so we worked with him. And With quite but, a pedigree. Yeah, guess, that's you know. right, yeah. And I think we, we wanted going, to rock out a bit more as well. We, we yeah. felt like the first album was kind of, yeah, punky yeah. and sort of a strange, strangely not lo-fi but kind of there's, an, there's a real edge to, them, yeah, to it yeah. you know it's very trebly record sonically energetic. there's a lot of yeah a lot of energy on it you know I, I was listening to I mean because I know that plenty of music rocks out these days but listening to um, first single on Earthly Pleasures come on what's my brain doing Avalocity 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 yeah exactly it's fucking gets going you know oh, it's yeah. like it really really yeah. does pound, pound along and I was you know listening to it and I'd forgotten I mean it was silly but I'd forgotten how 
you know fast it is but it's like proper fast it's yeah. not so do we like, not sort of like idols fast you know where I mean mm. obviously they're very fast but somehow you know our velocity has that kind of fucking energy yeah. you know and um, and all, I mean the first album as well I mean um, uh, apply some pressure and going missing yeah yeah which is the one guitar riff I can play with a tune down <laughs> yeah uh, that's right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so but you know they're, they're, they're great like energetic songs you know yeah but yeah well, that was yeah. a very we were, we were deliberately trying to be as concise as we possibly could mm. be no frills yeah um, you know not repeating things over and over again no guitar solos yeah virtually yeah. no guitar solos <laughs> get rid of the reverb yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's like very dry, dry isn't yeah, it I think we, I've written dry yeah somewhere it was one of the, you know. one of our things is like no fancy it has to uh-huh. be you know, it has to be as upfront, and yeah. it was almost like this is how we feel. You know, it's like, and the lyrics are also very economical. I'd say, you know, are you a fan of Elvis Costello? I am, yes, because he doesn't waste a syllable, and I feel like that a little bit with you. It's like every every word does something. Yeah, you know? well, it, it's musically, lyrically, yeah, the whole the whole thing, artwork, whatever. Yeah. We we don't want to waste anybody's time. We don't sure. want to waste plastic. <laughs> you know, in creating some, some something yeah. that you know will just fill up the world, right. more landfill. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, you want you want it to to really matter, and obviously everybody does who makes records. But we were taking it to the to a a real fine point in what yeah. we were making as well. The the making of it should reflect our ideals and right. Um, with the with the second record, we wanted to expand a little more. Um, and emphasised the more romantic moments and so mm. we knew that Gill had done stuff like I think he I've worked on uh, maybe engineered Ocean Rain by Echo and the Bunnymen yeah um, he'd worked on Born Sandy Devotional by the Triffids um, again sort of romantic wordy records yeah but we knew obviously the Pixies sure the Foo Fighters we know that the man can make make things that kick you up the backside yeah and that was we wanted to we felt like those are part of our our entire worldview as a band right. and therefore are integral to a certain trigger but we wanted to kind of see if we could maybe go even further in that direction yeah. and that kind of quiet loud thing we don't do it like the pixies do it but there are sure. you know something like our velocity when the guitars kick in it's like it's a shock to the system yeah, 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 yeah. obviously once you know the song you know the song but that was that was the kind of thing that we were yeah, trying yeah. to get at on that on that particular record, right? And he brought some of that back for National Health, I guess, because of like uh, Hips and Lips has sort of like a beguiling beginning where you not really understand. What, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the first time I heard Hips and Lips, I forgot about this, but like, the first time I heard it, I thought it was Depeche Mode. Yeah, at the beginning, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and then it suddenly kicks off, and you're like, oh, hang on, it's and also I, I swear, until about two days ago, I thought the the chorus lyric was. You're a poser to me, and you always will be. And I was living in—I am still living in Hackney—and there was lots of hipsters around. And I just thought it was a comment about like you're a, you're, a, you're a poser to me. I've not thought of that, but there you go. Yeah, 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 now I can hear it. Now you, now you <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably going to ruin it when you next play that song. And I'm 
record we'll always say what do these songs need mm. what or what and what do we need as a band right yeah. now after yeah. this last record so i mean you've caught us at a funny time because we are now in that same process again of trying yeah. to find somebody to record our new record and we're yeah. trying to say well what do we need you know the last record we recorded in, entirely alive and then added a few extra things in chicago was in, chicago, right? in mm. wilco studio yeah and so we now want to kick against that a little bit and yeah. try something very different especially because it'll be our seventh record and yeah, yeah. you know I feel you know we all feel like we need to to sort of make a statement and do something as different as we possibly can without losing the right. ethos of the band the essence of Maximum which was kind of yeah. what we were we were also thinking when we made um, too much information the right. fifth album yeah and we the first couple of singles were leave this island and brain cells which are very different mm. to a lot of the songs that we that we write, yeah. And so it feels like we're we we're at that kind of point again where yeah. we we could sh- do with shaking things up a bit. Do you like recording away from home in America and, and so mm. on? Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. It's fun, right? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, and it's and it, you know how many people get to do stuff sure. like that, I know. and I know. you know it might maybe the, the case that we we can't afford to do it right. in the future. <clears> you know that's. There's always a, the the financial reality of yeah, it, yeah. and the financial reality of recording in London is yeah. often much more expensive than going out to America yeah, and staying yeah. in an Airbnb. It seems wild in a way that we've gone to America because it's been cheaper than us going to stay in London. We, <laughs> so that's well, that's <laughs> we did two albums in in the states, um, and that's precisely why we yeah. did we did that because um, for one thing they said there was all there are all these ridiculous studios in Los Angeles that mm. and they're cheap. I mean, comparatively speaking, yeah. because they're trying to fill them. They're trying to kind of keep yeah. them, yeah. you know, keep them open. Um, but I, I just love going to different places to, to record. Well, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's very exotic, and people often say, well, how did that influence the record? And obviously the record was usually, in our, in our circumstances, it's been written, written beforehand. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we couldn't afford to go somewhere and be, you know, inspired for... A month and then write about yeah, it, yeah. Um, and things take a lot longer than that anyway for us. Right, um, but it does it does give you a different perspective on what you're doing and yeah. what you're singing about, um, the way you play, if yeah. depending on the on the yeah the, the gear that you've got available. Like yeah. when we were record, recording with Wilco, um, Wilco's producer yeah. um, Tom Schick, mm. we were surrounded by Jeff Tweedy from Wilco's again vintage gear, mm. all mm. all. All of the yeah. the setup was to record live. It was ready to go, yeah. so we didn't have to waste time trying to find a sound. They knew exactly how to get things going. The first track off the off that last album mm. is the first take of the first song that we recorded in there. Really? Is, oh, wow! That's, that's that is yeah. fairly wild to, yeah. to me. That's a, that's wild because we're not like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No producers like that. It's not. And being, he was just so yeah. laid back. Yeah, it was like not. Yeah, because we weren't. We just sort of felt relaxed. It was almost like being in a front room, and 
oh just yeah just try this oh this one's good you know try that guitar like, oh okay cool yeah that sounds good try that you know and Tom's on this vintage kit oh yeah, yeah. this kit same with the bass just great old bass amp and just Fender Precision with like um, million year old strings on that are just this you know like great yeah, yeah. so it's just like straight away in there do not bring anything you will not need it not need it no, and you just sure. turn up and go wow there's this I don't know 52 Telecaster or you can get all geeky about the gear yeah. but you know it was like we had that choice so. yeah but yeah, we, yeah. Were in, we were there while the election was going on um, it was, the American election yes yeah, so it was there were the debates between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were occurring and we were making this political record and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the the guy who came in and did the horn arrangements were like was was like you're making a really important record there guys it's <laughs> it's uh, very true what you're saying in this song yeah and all this kind of stuff and you, uh, you know when yeah you, you that's just kind of serendipity you know yeah, that you're there yeah. at that time that's that then colours what you think about the record right. in times in times to come. sort of earliest most primitive kind of way of writing songs mm. on guitar that still kind of appeals yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. a kind of um, this you know it's like the sound of a piano or the sound of a yeah. electric guitar plugged in or a sound of an acoustic guitar yeah. you know they, they are sort of the archaic <laughs> things yeah. to some extent and you know we've always wanted to do to have an electronic element and the keyboard sounds mm. are important to us in the band but if something needs one of those sounds you know, there's, you've you've got to go with it again. Yeah. Sort of look for what the yeah, what yeah. the song needs. Sure, which is I mean interesting because Gil, um, I didn't talk to Gil myself, but Chris Chris did that one. But um, he said that Gil is all about the pre-production. Oh, yeah. So you know, <laughs> like loads and loads of discussions yeah. and listening to, like like he said, the acoustic version of a song. So the song the songwriter or the songwriters playing a version on the acoustic guitar or something yeah. and then you get to the kind of soul of the yeah. song um, yeah I mean you're very much like we would play and he would sit he would be in a circle and he would be sat there with us as we played no yeah. pad. in a room like yeah. this kind of thing not, yeah. not in a recording studio yeah yeah just he would come and he came to Newcastle um, uh, we, we, we uh, the, the, the second album we did there's a place called Ellipse a friend of ours Andrew Mills did the kind of engineering with Gil mm. and um, you know we would that was you know we'd sit in with the room with us and you would go through things like books from boxes and stuff like that and yeah 
same with the same with um, the National Health. The, he would just come to the studio and then we'd sit in the circle mm. and then he'd go, you know, there'd be the odd thing at that point where it's like, right, you know, we might analyse this a bit or the feel of something, you know, here and there. So, I mean, because a lot of the time we're quite self-sufficient in, in the arrangement side yeah. and, and writing, but then he would always come up with a little something that you're like, oh, right, you know. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of influenced our thinking. Um, you know, the last few, last week we were in the studio with Tom, our drummer, mm. and working on the arrangement of a new song and it took us two days to rearrange the song and then there's Dunkston a mix of it which we were listening to this morning yeah um, in our separate houses and okay. on the whatsapp thread that we've got yeah it's Tom's going there's another little edit here that I'd like to do another little rearrangement and yeah I mean I think I think you know Tom's more Tom is undoubtedly Forensic in his, right. his listening to things, and that's kind of one of the one of the things that he brings to the band. Aside from yeah. being a great drummer, yes, you know he, he loves picking over the arrangements. Mm. And sometimes we might end up back to where we started, but we we, we try everything. Yeah, and I think Gil Norton totally um, embedded that into our into our work yeah. e- ethic and what we how we approach things. Yeah, they, that that whole being aware of arrangement, whereas before it was just like instinctive it was like this just feels right and we sure. don't quite know why necessarily because there's song there's songs on a certain trigger i can imagine they they didn't they don't sound like they how can i put this they don't sound like you had to labor over the arrangements no necessarily. yeah like they don't sound like you haven't given them any thought but they you know like a song like um the coast is always changing yeah it just it just seems to kind of play it everyone is doing the right thing yeah. for it and it plays it you know yeah I think itself. I think um, yeah generally that was the case I think yeah. with the, I think actually with Coastal is changing and I think I want you to stay pull uh-huh. up with I think he there was a reintroduction he's like oh, you've yeah. got to have that riff again there okay oh, okay cool so we brought it in just before the middle bit right okay and then well, that's a great thing with a producer when they when they focus on one little thing yeah and so bring that in yeah that's right like um, yeah it's suddenly kind of thinking a bit differently about it which is cool and the pre-choruses like um i've got a pre a spotify pre-chorus playlist because i love (laughs) pre-choruses and uh the uh pre-chorus are going missing oh yeah which i think is great and and i could i could have handled a third time of the pre-chorus but never mind you know but yeah do an edit for you and send it over yeah yeah, 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 yeah. special version right yeah (laughs) so you primarily it it seems to be the vast majority is the two of you right Mm -hmm. and then the keyboard player is it lucas he he wrote some stuff too yeah 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 Yeah. and you wrote some music as well yeah on some of them yeah yeah but it's but you're the sort of the 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 McCartney kind of yeah whole writing team yeah Yeah, for the book yes music lyrics and yeah and we yeah, and of course, yeah. Sometimes, like Paul, have a musical idea, and then Lucas yeah. and Archie's when we started. You know, both of them write, write great songs. So yeah, and you know, oftentimes there'll be songs that are actually a, a mashup. Like for the National Health is uh-huh. all all four of us. It's yeah. an Archie's idea, one of mine, one of Lucas's, mm. and then you know Paul as well. So it's kind of as long as you're your base, your old base player. Yeah, 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 and so yeah, it was always quite you know that those sort of ones. Are you know how you know it's like a Frankenstein kind mm. of songs, yeah. But they wouldn't have worked without everybody's kind of input. Sure, so that's quite. Yeah. You know, they're always quite cool when that happens. As that's well. really good. Yeah, I think we're the, we're the most prolific sort of writers anyway. Yeah, you know, like Duncan 
comes up with loads of stuff right generally speaking you well know. you're prolific enough to need to do solo stuff as well well that's that, <laughs> that's another issue yeah yeah, we, yeah and there's things that we you know like when I'm doing my solo stuff I'm playing the guitar and yeah you know there's kind of nothing for anybody else to do really right you know I, I'm, if I like something as it is I'll just get my mates to drum on it right and get somebody to play the bass on it or I'll play the bass these days very badly um, <laughs> to make it work um, yeah. but yeah to me it's you know songs are, are the kind of important thing when it yeah. comes to solo stuff it's things that I think that's a good song I want it out there um, right you know so do you feel like when you're coming up with an idea do you think this is a Paul Smith song this is not a Maximo Park song sometimes really? but a lot yeah. of them are um, songs that just Maximo Park weren't into uh, you know that is the, I should just call my call them rejects one two and three yeah my solo records but no there's, right. there, there are some yeah there's, they're, they're sort of mostly made up of even if it's sort of 60% of things that I think nah that's not really a Maximo right. Park song or I've done too much on it and I just think that's fine yeah really why would there's not really any need sure. to have a band and then there's not the politics of saying right I need to sort of yeah and, and, and sort of occasionally. being too prescriptive with things mm. and saying right this is exactly how I want the guitar yeah. to be done you haven't really because I finger pick kind of in a very rudimentary way mm. and it just works for me right. and I wouldn't sort of say hey Dunk you know you need to your third finger's not doing the right thing here <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not doing it too 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 well um, do you ever play live with uh, with never with, no never okay. played right which is kind of which is kind of funny but also uh-huh. There was it was mooted at one point, right? Especially when we were adding more stuff into the songs, yeah. But then it, there came a point where everybody was like, "No, you're all right, right?" Okay. <laughs> but I'm a front man. Yeah, you're, you are quite on stage. My purpose would have would be dimmed down. And sure enough, when I play a solo, mm. you know, it's a very different feeling, and and I feel like it's what has to be done. But also, I, you know, I'm aware that I can't look at the audience all the time. I'm looking yeah. down, and these lyrics are very personal, and that has a kind of different effect when you're doing solo stuff. You think, yeah, yeah. okay, you know, if this is even, even though Maximo Park lyrics are very personal and emotional, mm. there might be something just a one or two percent more introspective about my own yeah. stuff, and that that hasn't been filtered through the idea of. All oh, right, the other four or five guys have got to hear this. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about that, which right. is kind of a liberating in some ways. And you know, sure enough, that that music will then probably be too intimate for right. pe- some people who like our band. Other people will find a nice crossover there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when when I'm singing the emotional, direct lyrics of Maximo Park, mm. it's it's it has another effect because I'm I'm looking at people. I am acting out the songs I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get people into the songs physically with my right. with, you know the way that I move or even, you know the way that your face your facial expressions are yeah, all yeah. those kind of things we didn't want to lose lose that by me playing right. the guitar and I'm not a great guitar player either so okay. you know it would have been like oh it sounds a bit more like the record but yeah yeah then to you lose you the lo- price yeah, of that you're yeah. going gonna to lose something absolutely Like a child you can't control 
Tons of REM in your oh, yeah. playing, like um, yeah. one of those songs on the second album, Nosebleed, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. that sounds sort of quite Peter Butt, early kind of Peter Butt. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, but I mean, also, I, I think maybe because your voice is so English, you know, you, it doesn't sound like any, oh, no. you know, which is obviously it's it's great because it, but it, but I suppose maybe that kind of maybe fools people into thinking that you've been listening to more English music than I you think have. so yeah no, I, th- I think you know you, uh, you can't get too annoyed about these things it's mm. kind of a little bit of a you know it bugs you a little bit but ultimately right. you know people are talking about you that's great yeah fine and yeah. it will always be those things that are on the surface that will catch people first and yeah if, you know if that's an accent again a lot of people didn't sing in their own accents and a lot of people thought that I was laying it on thick, but then right. when they hear me talk, they realise that <laughs> is the way that it is. It goes in, <laughs> it goes in waves, don't, don't you find? Like sometimes it's really cool, you know, cool of course, yeah, to sing in your own voice, and then sometimes it like it's strange that field music definitely don't sing in their accents. Well, like, I think they, I think they do. But do you think they do? But they're also actually they. So you're quite right. They do, but in a but they have a sort of strange way of getting round it. So. Yeah, no, they would. They will. They. It's a softer accent in a way, isn't it? As well. Yeah, they. They. Yeah, they. They don't yeah. pronounce. You know, in terms of accent, their their accent is probably less pronounced than than mine. And I become because of the kind of music that it is. It becomes right. more declamatory in a way. There's yeah. something I will. You know, I am young and I am lost. And you know, if those, if it's softer, yeah. as Dunk says, if it's softer, those things are more embedded right, in what's right. happening. And I also think, yeah, as as you were saying they get around certain things by you know if a, if a lyric isn't necessarily going to fit they won't you know they will maybe probably bend it right, in a different yeah. way whereas you go straight whereas, for the yeah I'm, I'm it's kind of my voice is a blunt force <laughs> for good <laughs> hopefully um, and and it, you know it is what it is yeah, is what yeah, I've, always, yeah. I've always thought about my voice you know I think I've got I've become a better singer, right? Um, as time's gone on, which you can hear on the records, yeah. But also, that's not to diminish how it's how I started out right, singing because right. I felt like, right, I'm comfortable. This is this feels like me. This feels right. This yeah. feels right for the music, and I'm not going to think about it any more than that because yeah. sometimes, yeah, you you pronounce when you're first starting to sing because I'd never sung before being in Maximo Park, right? Um, I've didn't you know? Didn't write lyrics or anything like that. So they they sent me away with these songs, mm. knowing that I, you know, might be a good frontman because I sort of 
kicked around playing guitar in my instrumental band and they knew that I could sing yeah. from Tom Tom's now wife listening to me in world headquarters a club in town I heard about that yeah, yeah just yeah. in the background while we were having a drink and yeah. so yeah you know I could probably I could just about I can hold the tune for sure mm. I can sing in that respect and you know I was I was interested in being on a stage and if the music was good and transmitting it across to people but I didn't know how to sing or what mm. especially when it's exposed and you're in a room with these people that you don't know that well you know yeah. I knew Tom from university but right. knew nobody else in the band and you know you're singing and you're thinking what shall I sing about and then the things that felt right to me to sing to the music that they already had yeah. was stuff about I guess romance um, and the everyday and everyday things you know some of the political things that have kind of entered the music I think I've become more um, confident about that mm. and, and, and how to express it and yeah. what kind of method I should use whereas even though I might have felt the same way at that point in 2003 mm. in this practice room you know those things just didn't feel right they felt too obvious sure. and yeah. just yeah. not good enough and the things that felt right were these with these emotional yeah, things yeah. and the way to sing was I didn't I didn't feel like I had an option and so right. I, I speak one of my big influences was Robert Wyatt okay even though it sounded nothing like our music I would listen to his music yeah. and just be like right that is the way to sing this guy yeah. is like it's just it's so close to his speaking voice yeah, yeah. it's so close to what he believes sure you know there's virtually no difference but it's a beautiful melodic yeah. instrument and it has its limitations and he and lyrically he he also strikes that same balance that you do I think between conversational and poetic hopefully thank got, you well I know I mean I, I've written down <laughs> well, that's, that's I mean not many people mention it but <laughs> well no it, because it is really you know there's, there's sort of like I'm thinking about that line in graffiti um, he might have written this one <laughs> oh yeah let's see, let's uh, see the, the, the chorus um, you do graffiti while you sing to me in French yeah. What are we doing here if romance isn't dead? That is so conversational, but it's also so poetic. Well, that's kind of half and half. So yeah. The first bit's mine and the second bit's Paul's. Okay. And that was how I fitted into the band initially. Right. If there was a lyric from the song before I had joined that I thought was good and fitted with, mostly fitted with my own sensibility. Yeah. If it was something that I felt a kinship with. And yeah. Which you know obviously wasn't the case with a lot of the, the lyrics that were there. I was mm. like, ah, it doesn't really you know I don't, it doesn't mean that much to me, so I can't sing it with this kind of passionate whatever. But that yeah. was that was one where I felt like, right, you know this is I'm going to make this about something that it's not about. Okay. So it was okay. yeah, um, I'll do you singing. I'll do graffiti while you sing to me in French. Yes. And I and so I made it a kind of conditional. I'll do graffiti if you sing to me in French. It's like a kind of more of a romantic, I'll do this if you do this. What like are we doing day, here if romance is Oh, is dead. there an if in there? Yes. Like, oh, so I hear the if. This is the thing, it's kind of the subtle, uh, the subtle, the subtle changes to me made yeah. me think, right, I can sing this. Uh, yeah, and I was yeah. very into situationism at the time. Right. And the idea of, of graffiti being this kind of thing that was on the streets of Paris in 1968. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, under the beach, the sea, these beautiful kind of romantic phrases, but a sort of very politically engaged. Yeah. That to me was the, the sort of key into yeah. the song. And I also just thought this is a brilliant lyric, you know, mm -hmm. like 
That's it's very that memorable. Just sound, that just sounds cool. Yeah. And the same with Archer's, uh, our old bass player had written the Limassol. And, okay. and I was like, that's just a great... So abstract. Sounds, yeah, it yeah, just sounds like, good well, and it's a, it's yeah, a great yeah, sounding yeah, word. Yeah. And to me, I then wrote a song about being somewhere else and uh-huh. escape and mm. using this kind of Limassol as this yeah, totemic yeah, yeah, yeah. part yeah. of it, which was already part of the song. Right. And so for me, that was, you know, I was trying to, again, trying to find my way into writing lyrics right, into okay. what should it be about. And that's and, what gives it its energy, though. It's got the edge as well, you know, because if you were feeling, I suppose, slightly not not at, at odds as such but like you had to fit in in your own way you know so it's a little bit edgy it's got this kind of like is this is this working but it, you're not hiding away at all no, you're loud I, I, and well I mean that's that's the, the case with all of the records I think there's, yeah. there'll be things that I regret doing or mistakes <laughs> and just go well you know I, I was trying to put it all out there yeah, lay yeah. it on the line I just wanted to just before we move on I just wanted to touch upon the album that you did with Peter oh yeah yeah because um, when you were saying before about singing about how you can't quite remember what, what you were saying but something to do with the um, l- lack of subtlety you maybe had and then that but that feels like you've really got the subtlety in there because it blends with the music musicality of what he's put in there yeah really I, well it was it, it's an interesting one mm. I mean I think it is probably yeah the most sort of left field thing yeah. that I've it's lovely been album, involved that. with I, I must admit I hadn't Thanks. heard that until two days ago but it's fucking great thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I'm definitely I definitely feel like it couldn't I mean it might have come a, a, a year or two earlier but before that it probably wouldn't have struck me to, to have that right to have those words with music yeah um, when we first started out I used to write a lot um, a lot of diary entries that went on our website of mm. just where we were and yeah. um, I, I, I often thought is there a way of condensing this into the music and, and I think that through our records it became more like that, you know. Night falls and towns become circuit boards. Yeah, we can beat the sun, sun as long as we keep moving. You know, the, lyrics like that on the second record, it is kind of pushing the more poetic side yeah. of the of the lyrics. Yeah, you know, the the final words on the album. I love the tiny veins on your back. They remind me of the way the porcelain cracks. You know, there are these things you wouldn't you might not hear on I don't know <laughs> somebody else's records right, but definitely. you know yeah. again it's taking a chance I mean mm. a lot of people would go that's a lot of that's a lot of rubbish you know st- stick to the point yeah um, and Frozen by Sight is <laughs> taking that to the fullest degree and just saying right I'm going to write about my environment and I'm not going to include the things that perhaps I'm good at or known right. for even yeah. if I'm maybe I'm not good at them but that kind of everyday romantic uh, sort of emotional mm. very personal side to it and yet the songs are in the end you know the observing people yeah. and the relationships between people and their environment like there's the LA street cleaner yeah. who's you know there's the massive curb in Los Angeles that's halfway up the middle of his shin and it's just kind of absurd a little like a, you know it's an image yeah. that hopefully people will see that goes again goes with the music yeah um, and you know I would I would give Peter musical sketches and then he would add 
some string arrangements and then there were other points where mm. Pete would just give me a full string arrangement like Mount Wellington rises off that record yeah. which is the most sort of strident chamber pop sort yeah, of yeah, just yeah. strings yeah. and vocals on that record yeah. um, and and somehow those two things worked I didn't I didn't know whether they would work because you know it was just me strumming a guitar mm. and and not but not feeling like I needed to write a pop song which I do with my own even my own solo records they still need to be melodic they still yeah. need to be structured like a pop song um, even if they're slow and referencing post rock stuff yeah, yeah, it yeah. still needs to be a song felt like pressure like the something that's changed to make you feel sort of under pressure and Duncan was saying it was after Our Earthly Pleasures yeah. was perhaps the yeah, it yeah. Was probably the shakiest because we'd suddenly come off the back of that and you know and seeing the audience grow was like mm. you know and doing three nights at Brixton and stuff was like yeah, yeah, yeah. whoa and then you come yeah. off the back of that and you come back to like um, an industrial kind of <laughs> wasteland in Dunstan <laughs> and you're sat there in a, you know this kind of very cold um, rehearsal room with yeah. flowers on the wall and dead flies everywhere <laughs> right and you've got to come up with the follow up and you, yeah and I think we there was a lot of pressure I think we put on each other and there were there were some really good songs that were nearly songs that we we just had different ideas about um, and which is fine I mean that's kind of normal but we mm. we found a way in the end but it felt like they needed the songs very quickly off us and did they they being uh, management and label yeah so um, but we, we we were like up for the challenge but I think yeah. at the same time it was like you know we probably weren't you know fully ready um, right until the last minute when we did go in we were still yeah. kind of trying to I mean to we write. could have we mm. could have probably approached it differently and had an extra couple of weeks right to you know even even an extra couple of weeks would have made it mm. a difference to how the third record sounded and I think that's the that's the sort of the other side of going somewhere else to do it yeah um, you know it was mixed remotely we came back and we were mixing at odd hours yeah. of the day on uh, what was it iChat on the on, on <laughs> yeah. the oh uh, really Mac. oh god you know it was yeah. this was pre sort of Skype was Skype was faulty yeah um, you know certain people hadn't got it and all these kind of things that you think wow that really sort of that was a barrier to making your record yeah yeah yeah, kind of right (laughs) in the end and so yeah the the mixing process was kind of difficult if we'd have had more money we could have 
you know, if we were a, a massive band on a big label, we yeah. could have stayed out there and done that. Um, the, but yeah, I think it's that what is that pre-production again? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, pre-production for our first album was years long, and just right. making the songs, as everybody says, you know, you have a lifetime to, to make, make your first yeah, record and all that sort absolutely. of Absolutely. Which is, you know, there's there's definitely an element of truth to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the third record, we were still unsure about the arrangement there were still things yeah. that are now on that record that we think why didn't we fix that you know we were right. we were meant to fix that and we just moved on to something else yeah and again that's that goes counter to our our whole belief system in that you know every second shouldn't you know you should justify every single aspect of it yeah um and yeah, I think I think some of the some of the we tried to do different things with some some of the songs. We'd done a, a punky record, we then did a rock record, and yeah. the next one we wanted it to be groovy. You know, we wanted to have it a sort of more rigid sort of grooves. Yeah, um, and that was that was the the key to that record. Yeah, and the sound of it. And while I like that, yeah, I do feel like certain songs didn't necessarily fit into that template. And I don't think, yeah, I think we were. Um, we were we were too polite to each other, and oh, we didn't okay. say exactly what we felt because we right. were trying to find a consensus. Mm. Whereas now we we try and find a consensus, but if something's not happening, yeah, you just can't go with it. No, sure, you know, yeah. there's there are songs where we we were trying to we we all felt like right we find we found a good compromise here, and then you realise, you know, maybe a year later or mm. a few weeks after it's been mastered yeah. or whatever that somebody else didn't like. No, an aspect sure. of it which yeah. is that is then that then leads to you thinking well did I like this or did mm. I like that mm. and then you end up thinking this is yeah. this is muddled this is not as focused as we have that, been yeah. and that's 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 hard to take especially when mm. you like the songs you know yeah. and, and you think right give it, given an extra two weeks we would have filled this sort of gap that feels yeah. that, that feels like there's a gap in this song that doesn't quite gel or yeah. a sound of you know, like the kids are sick again. Uh, the end of that song, I almost wanted it to be like a, loads of like a school choir or something singing. Yeah. Their kids are sick again. Yeah. And we recorded our vocals over and over again, and all of us think we're chanting on that on that at the <laughs> end. And in the end, it just it felt it didn't have the kind of the sound that would have allowed it to be less chanty. Yeah. Having said that, I still think it's. I mean, a lot of people say to me. That's you know that's the, one of my favourite songs. Right. Like Paul out of our our band at the moment says, "The kids are sick again." It's amazing. I love that song, yeah. and a lot of my a lot of my friends said that at the right. time. And I I always thought, oh, we could have we could have done that better, and it would have been less sort of blokey and chanty. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, it was five blocks <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a in a studio trying to create this sound instead right. of saying right no that's not what we need we need something else we need to get somebody in yeah we need to go and find some people on the street or whatever and you know have like think outside the box but yeah. we just didn't it was like right we've done that now that song's finished i'm sure i'll learn to live with it yeah and, and, yes. un- unfortunately i feel like for all of us in the band mm. there are too many let's live with it moments on that record mm. and yeah. i also I mean, think time time as well was was there was a pressure there and i think the other thing is how long were you there for we, I think we only had three weeks. Was it? It, might right. been, it might have been. It might have been four weeks, week and the first three. week was pre-production. Yeah. So right. it was. It was very fast for us. We'd and always it, had like that extra week mm. to finish things off and make sure yeah. that we liked things, and we'd mixed. 
um, you know like the, the the second record was mixed so diligently and well yeah. you know it felt yeah. like we were all we'd there found, for it yeah, yeah we were all there in the same room we found felt like we'd we'd found a way of doing that but yeah. again we we were in the in the mm. the mindset of well we've done that let's try a different way let's mm. let's change our mindset and yeah I mean I think everyone had, there's a few viewers you know also had a lot of personal stuff going on which is also hard to focus when you're away definitely from home yeah. and I think there was this there was a there was just kind of a pre- it was it was it was weird because you know as well we we're in Los Angeles and every morning there was this we're on this kind of back porch with this little kind of um, battered couch and the sky's the same every morning which is beautiful but then it's like this weird groundhog existence yeah, and yeah. You, it was it was amazing to be there but you yeah. also it almost drives you a little bit crazy sure. and I think there was that thing of various members had stuff going on mm. and and also um, it's kind of stuff that's difficult to explain but I think mm. with, with that and then us under pressure time constraints and, and you, you don't know, realise it until until it's finished no, that's yeah. that's the thing you, yeah. you know we, we talk about it now and at the time you're like yes I'm going for a swim in the sun yeah. I'm going to lay down some vocals and <laughs> Sounds living like the dream, the dream. <laughs> and, and, and that's pretty good level 42 question and basically do you know much about level 42 just just enough to get by okay okay mark king slapping slapping his base yeah exactly so one of the one of the interesting things i found about them was um the early 80s they made a few records everything was going quite well touring you know all, all good but not sort of blowing the roof off and then they decided they sat down and they said right lads we've got to hit pay dirt we've got to write some bona fide hit singles deliberately Mm -hmm. and they did they actually made that decision and they went for the jugular and they wrote the songs that would become (laughs) their biggest hits and it worked it worked for them funnily enough it also resulted in the the demise of their original lineup because they got too big kind of thing Mm. but um so the level 42 question is basically have you or would you Deliberately sit down and say at the beginning of the process, right? We're gonna we're gonna write a hit single. That is a very difficult question. Yes, because yeah. we we feel like a lot of our songs that is just our mindset anyway. Fine, yeah. We are because we've always thought of ourselves as a pop band. Ultimately, that was the thing that kind of yeah. maybe marked us out from a lot of bands. Yeah. Locally, even on that kind of micro level, when you're first starting out, yeah, you know, bands want to be credible. They want to be, you know, attractive to the opposite sex <laughs> or the same sex or whatever. Yes. You know, there are lots of motivating factors. Um, you know, a lot of musos make music, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Yeah, but 
we we were like you know to write a, a great pop song that changes somebody's mood or their opinion for three minutes mm. three and a half minutes that is like a that's like a alchemy yeah it is yeah. alchemy yeah. you know it's something that you can't and you can't explain it as well which is that's the classic thing about that everybody says about whatever kind of success they might be having if yeah. I could repeat it I, you know I would and I'd be rich and whatever um, or you know I would have made that alchemical super pop yeah. moment or yeah. that moment that I was muse or moment that I was searching for you know yeah. you can't you it, you know you can't force these things I think as well in some with ways but obviously the level 42 question is yeah. you know you can force it if you really if you really yeah. focus and everything aligns around it and you've got the talent to do it that's the thing though isn't it it's mm. like you've got to have a certain and it's also a certain type of talent because sometimes I've heard records over the years where you can tell that that's what they're trying to do mm. but they haven't well that's succeeded. virtually every record that's yeah trying to yeah. get into the pop charts in right. some ways whereas to me like a perfect pop song might never have been a hit yes. it could be a big star song yeah. you know a big star that idea of power pop yeah. and a lot of that is, you know a lot of the first couple of records is kind of rocking it's kind of quite rocking mm. stuff the, 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 but Alex Chilton you know sometimes would just hit this pure yeah. pop moment and yeah. it's so good you know September Girls is like you know massive pop song yeah, yeah. but it's kind of weird as well mm-hmm. but like the idea well, well, the idea yeah. that we could still be us and yet write amazing pop songs yeah, you know yeah. you'd have to I think with us as well we're aware that you, we'd have to iron out the quirkiness that is because the thing is we it's funny that we were listening <laughs> to some songs the other day that were like incredibly not made by us but incredibly kind of well done mm. but kind of straightened out and everything happens at the right point, you know. You feel like you've heard it before, but you heard right. it really not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You want certain bits of your song to sound familiar enough, you know, like oh right, that yeah, that that's a guitar making that riff, but it's a great riff. Yeah, you know. Whereas if if it's a riff you feel like you've heard before, yeah. that's boring. Yeah. But yeah. it's a hook, isn't it? As well, it, like, yeah, it's the yeah, like that. You know that old pre-course I was talking about, the going missing one. With yeah, the, forget it, forget it. That's just like okay, that's a hook. And sometimes you do feel like you've heard it before, but not, not that you've heard it before, but you, you recognise what it's. Yeah, I think that's part. What it's trying yeah, to do. definitely. And I think that's yeah. part of something that we do is like, it's almost you want people to recognise or connect with it, but then not feel too much like. Oh, that's from that song. Sure, isn't that yeah. a Beatles thing? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which you, you do hear in songs. You like song on the. Other, it's like I was listening to Billie Eilish and um, uh-huh. production is great, and then it's like that's like uh, people are strange, you know, right. the Doors. Um, yeah, the diddle the the that one. Um, can't remember the name. Of it I now, don't but know. It's great. Uh, yes, bury a friend. Okay. Um, Listen to bury a friend and then listen to okay. people are strange. There's, right. there's there's a kind of relationship, but then yeah. maybe that's pure coincidence. But I think going back to that level forty two thing, I think we were sort of we could do that. Uh-huh. We could do that, but we would ha- we would be bored. <laughs> but you could be bored and make mm. a lot of money. Yeah. Whether or not, also it would have to have that thing, and people would go. Actually, that's a great pop tune, and we we're, we're not the uh, mm. we could never decide that. That would be somebody else deciding right. that. And sure. it probably, yeah. I mean, it would. You could write the greatest song. You know, you could write your running in the family. But if people aren't, if 
people don't want to hear it no. from your group. It is it is there's so much more around yeah. it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The times the times move on and there's only mm. there's a, a tiny window for somebody who doesn't look like a pop star to then become a pop star. It might be, you know, Adele, it might be yeah. Billie Eilish, Lewis you know, Capaldi. people who yeah, Louis yeah, Capaldi, yeah. you know, another one where people would go Right, that guy doesn't look like a pop star. Yeah. Let's let's, let's not even yeah. Not we'll either accept it or just say right. Yeah, it's never going to make us money again because yeah, 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 it's because yeah. it's people people are giving you money to then promote it to yeah. then to you know plug things to get the best of the best in the industry to work yeah. to put your your poster on the tube to ram it down people's throats to <laughs> advertise on YouTube then have it popping up before you watch the match of the day highlights or whatever yeah. you know all of those kind of things that that needs to be behind you and the, and the, the gap mm. is very small for, for anybody outside of you know Taylor Swift who is a great songwriter but again Definitely. she looks a million dollars yeah. again it's presentation it's, and it's fitting into archetypes that are already there yeah you know that's the, all those things I mean we we've, we couldn't do it now mm. because we're on our we're yeah, about to make our seventh record mm. People already have a very firm opinion of us if they've heard of us. Yeah. Um, if they haven't, they'd be like, "Who are these old blokes trying to write a pop song?" Yeah. Um, again, people <laughs> of our generation might not think that, yeah. but if you're 15 and yeah. listen to Radio One, you it would take some sort of miracle for even even if we wrote a song that was it, yeah cutting edge production, totally fresh. Yeah. You know? And so you know, I guess the, the, the then the question becomes for. Know, whatever our target market might be, which, mm. which then it, I, I find that kind of thing again very constricting, and you know, re- but also you know, realistically, yeah, you know, our our last album didn't get playlisted on Radio One; it got playlisted. Some of the songs got playlisted on Radio Six, mm-hmm. so you would then go right. That is your target market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we write a song that would get onto Six Music and smash it? Right. Probably. I think we could, but again, that's not up to us. Because that's ultimately. the yeah, that's the sort of like what sort of hit single are you talking about? Because I mean, yeah, there's the Radio One hit single, but there's also the Six Music hit single, and I always think of um, uh, that song by um, the National uh, Blood Buzz Ohio. Oh yeah. Which I feel like that is a sort of classic six music hit single pretty much everyone who listens to six music knows that song mm. really well and mm. if that came on in a if you were out in a bar and that came on everyone would start going yeah this is a great mm. song you know so that that I suppose is the sort of thing if you, you, you know you would be trying to do but it's funny because when we asked this question to the field music um, uh, Dave he sat there listening to Peter give a very polite response to the question and then Dave went you know what I'm not going to do his voice but um, I think all indie songs that are trying to sound like hits sound fucking rubbish (laughs) he said I don't think I'd ever want to make a record like that you know (laughs) and that's that's in a much less um, uh, a sweary way that's what Kate Stables from This Is The Kit said she said I don't understand why I'd want to do that why would I want to do that? If mm. Well, you, you're also, this is a slight diversion, but whatever, if you write a big song, if mm. your song does indeed get played lots and yeah. people want to hear it, yeah. if, if you're not fully on board with it, if you don't, if it doesn't feel right to you, sure. then that's a millstone around you're your cursed neck. cursed to you play know, it for the next... Yeah. That's, that that yeah. must be a fairly horrible feeling. Whereas that's the Kurt know, Cobain thing, where he didn't want to play Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
Mm. So they played more than a feeling by Boston instead, <laughs> yeah. which is good, son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's a, it's a, it's. This is the thing. You, you can't. You've got to be realistic as yeah. well and realize that you are part of this world. We're not. Mm. We've always, you know, we've always wanted yeah. to do for our songs to do well. Mm-hmm. How you define well is a very different thing and it changes as you yeah. go on you know we didn't know we had an audience until we made the first record then you realize you've got an audience and again the temptation for many people must be let's try and do that again so that we yeah. can keep making music or keep doing this or make lots of money yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's it seems to me a very it's very it's a kind of anti-art yeah. Strategy. Yeah. It's it's very business like. Right. Um, you can get a balance though. But you can get a balance, yeah. and this yeah. is the thing. I I love plenty of songs that have probably been written that way, mm. and you know, th- there's again, you've got you've got to believe in the power of a pop yeah. song. You've yeah. got to go back to what I was saying. So, do you believe in that idea of a chorus? Yeah. Saving mm-hmm. somebody's life. Do you you know? Do you believe in like? being moved to tears by a song do you believe in wanting to dance your, your bum off on the dance floor to something that is incredibly funky and, and, a, and a great pop song as well um, and again that's another thing you know for, for a, a band who like I don't know Hot Chip or somebody they've yeah. nailed that that sort of you know something that's danceable and mm. credible um, that you could probably hear in a club just about, but also that yeah. you can hear on Six Music or Radio One, and you know, is is a a great pop song. And again, as as a you know, has a sort of fragile emotional centre. You know, some a very fragile voice at its centre that yeah. perhaps you know is the antithesis of the disco diva. You know, pounding at pound. You know, these pounding beats. It's kind of a way of finding finding a way of doing of, of doing what you do that does. Tick those boxes if you wanna if you wanna use that terminology. Be statistical about it, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, we do think about mm. like the structure of our songs and go, you know, is that is that a bridge? You know, is that bridge good enough? Does it lead yeah. up to the chorus? Does it then give the chorus impact if you're mixing? Mm. You know, how do we get the balance right between the verse and the? You know, it'd be easy to put everything in the red for the chorus. We have done that a few times. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, you know. It, there's a subtlety to it yeah but you're also trying to make something that has the impact yeah. for people on that first listen but you also want something that has an impact on people on the hundredth two hundredth listen yeah, you know yeah. you want to make something that's timeless yeah but also I, I like having something that's a product of its time and not saying right I just want everything to be acoustic and real man yeah and authentic you know yeah. I, if, if there's a new sampler or keyboard sound out there or you know, a way of making a hybrid noise yeah. that sounds a bit like something that you've never heard before, and that is the way you know, as well. And and saying, oh well, you know, like Lynn drums or something. The Blue Nile is incredible, mm. and it, at some point it sounded quite dated, and then it just stopped sounding dated and became just timeless. Yes, you know, yes. again with like Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush stuff from that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know running up that hill is unbelievable you know but I, I I guess if you listen to that in 1996 when Nirvana was or whatever mm. I, whoever was you know yeah. on the radio yeah. and that kind of grungier sound had become embedded into popular culture yeah. that sort of thing must have sounded yeah a little bit dated or whatever and yeah. maybe it didn't I don't know <laughs> I'm rambling now every now and then oh sorry 
what time is it? It's actually, yeah, we've been talking quite a long time. I mean, I, you know, guys, I could carry on, but um, it's we... It's just going to be a nightmare at the editing process if we, yeah. if we carry on talking. <laughs> but but um, I don't do a kind of grand uh, finish. You know, yeah. we sort of tend to... I'm, I'm going to press stop. But um, no, thank you so much, guys. That's, that's really awesome. I still remember how you moved And I taste your scent upon my lips Well, how it started, I will never know So there you go. My thanks to Paul and Duncan from Maximo Park um, for being great guests and great company. Um, and just for the hell of it, thanks to Damien Samuels for accompanying me up to the frozen northeast. It wasn't particularly frozen, actually. Um, anyway, lots of fun. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. It helps other people find the podcast. See you next time. Across my chest and I dream of you with someone else. Just trying not to eat too many chocolate things and I've got, I've got a bottle load of biscuits. Oh. Do, do you have do you have your eye on one of these two? I'm alright at the moment. I had a massive breakfast, so I'm kind of it's in a slight post breakfast slumber. Well I'll, I've had a Milk chocolate one, I'll go for a white chocolate. Yeah, looking pretty good. <laughs>